Welcome back to another episode of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm your conspiracy skeptic, Carl Mamer, and with me uh, is my guest, very, very interesting woman. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I can really sort of say a lot about what makes you really interesting, but uh, uh, Amira, Amira Eskenazi? That's correct. That's Great. it. Okay. And, and you're, 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 a, you're a listener. I am a listener. I'm an avid listener. I've listened to every episode. Okay, yeah. yeah. But doing a lot of listener mm-hmm. shows. Listener shows seem to be kind of easier because I don't have to sort of track people down, you know. They come, right. they come to me, so. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm sure they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just finding more <laughs> my ways to make doing this podcast easier and easier. So, so, you know, I've already offloaded the, the research to, to, uh, to the guests, and now I'm making the guests... <laughs> You know, just come pretty soon. I'm gonna be like, just record the show for me, and here's exactly. You know, just whatever '80s music you want to use to play it out. Just slap <laughs> that on the end, and whatever you know. <laughs> well, and well, then uh, you'll add a few words here and there, and it'll be uh, yeah, it, it'll be the conspiracy skeptic. Exactly. Yeah. So for for our listeners, uh, I, again, we can't say too much about your job, but let me confirm: you're not like a, kind of like a Nikita kind of hype paid assassin for no that would be awesome but no no i'm a, I'm a chef you're a chef. I'm a chef yes and uh i i was for quite a long time employed by a large entertainment company ah, let's, okay. let's let's leave it at that yes. oh, okay so yeah right. cool okay but uh i and, and no and no I, and I, no disrespect to Stuart robbins my 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 many time guest but uh, y- y- you are probably the coolest person I've ever had on Conspiracy Skeptic. <laughs> well, that's a real compliment. That's great. You've had some pretty cool people on your show. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, that's but uh, thank you for the compliment. All right. You just you just have some sort of news that you don't want to embargoed until this podcast gets out, so we can't really. That's that's correct. Cool. That's correct. Okay. All right. So you're 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 a chef. Uh, yes, I am. And 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 what and uh, you're you're from Israel or you're from? Well, I'm originally from Montreal. Okay. Quebec. Okay. And uh, my mother moved out here, and I took a break from work, and I came to stay with her here. Oh. So I'm in Israel right now, but I'm kind of in transit at the moment. So. Okay. And where where uh, where did you live in Montreal? I, 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 oops. Where did I live in Montreal? Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Ville Saint Laurent, and okay. uh, then I spent a lot of time in the NDG Westmount area, and then in the Saint Henry area. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I used to live in uh, Dallard, which is kind of. Oh, Dallard. Yeah, Delard. That's interesting. That's like saying Tarjay. Tar- like really? Or you, 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 you pronounce Delard. We days say Dollard. 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 Well, how do you say the Desormo part? Dollard Desormo. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like a little suburb, kind of very yeah, middle, yeah. middle, 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 middle class suburb of kind of Montreal. That's it. It's not far from where I grew up as a kid in Ville Saint Laurent. Dollard oh. is pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Hey, can can I can I ask how old you are? Sure, I'm 42 years old. Okay, so we're we're similar mm-hmm. age. Well, wow. yes, uh, we are. You were maybe. Did you remember any of the uh, the October crisis in Montreal? The October crisis uh, with the uh, with the uh, FLQ. FLQ. Yes, I do. I do. As a child, there was the kidnapping, and uh, yes, I do actually. I do. 
Okay. This yeah. was the early seventies. I think I was maybe six, six, seven, eight, nine years old in that in that area, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember, uh, you know, where I lived was very middle middle class, and so you know, you had some sort of government employees, stuff like that in my neighborhood. So, on some, well, at least on one street in my neighborhood, there were uh, there were like like little you know troops sort of sort of garrisoning some guy's front lawn. It was quite wow. Uh, yeah, you know, in an yeah, era, like the National Guard or something, they brought out the National Guard. Yeah, 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 kind of an era of like GI Joes. You know, you're, you're a boy, and it's kind of cool to see these real life GI Joes on somebody's lawn. You know, it's like, wow. and all they wanted to do was do some weekend army stuff, and and look what they had to end up doing. You know, I, I holding know. real guns and patrolling, and yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay, <laughs> all right. And uh, so, what what is what is your favorite conspiracy? Well, uh, I used to be uh, quite a believer, uh, okay. as most people who have become skeptics uh, were. Uh, I first saw this conspiracy in 2008. This gentleman named uh, Dave McGowan, uh, he puts, put out these chapters one by one starting 2008. Um, and this story really caught my eye and I thought it was a great, uh, great conspiracy because it mixes uh, something that I love, which is music history and conspiracy. And it made the perfect package. It's, um, it's about the Laurel Canyon conspiracy. Laurel Canyon being a sweet little... Uh, you know, hip enclave right off Hollywood Boulevard and Sunset Strip in uh, California. So this is, um, he calls this Inside the LC, the strange and mostly true story of Laurel Canyon and the birth of the hippie generation. So this is a, uh, a conspiracy basically that um, rock stars with their hangers on, family members, managers, uh, basically were either used as tools by the American government um, or did this, uh, you know, on their own. Uh, volunteered to basically uh, mess up any type of dissent uh, that would be forming in, in, in the youth culture of uh, the early 1960s in West Coast of the United States. Right. Uh, yeah. Which included drugs and, uh, you know, mind control. Uh, he mentions MK Ultra. Uh, it's a very, very interesting conspiracy. It's 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 a bit of a kind of a kitchen sink because I mean in sort of the you know the rock uh, you know history of rock and roll there I mean there are conspiracies like Jim Morrison you know faked his own death or John right. Le- John Lennon was sort of you know it was a CIA hit and stuff like that so he he right. he, he, he kind of takes some of those right and sort of works it into uh, an even bigger conspiracy. Well, yes, he does. Uh, he mentions his biggest uh, his biggest. Uh thing is that a lot of these, uh, I mean, a, a large majority of these very famous rock stars um, have ties to the, uh, to the military, uh, very, very wealthy, uh, well-placed family members, um, genealogy, um, and he feels that it's just too much of a coincidence. Right. And he also mentions, you know, he often mentions that nobody was ever arrested for drugs, really, nobody did time, nobody was drafted. Uh, it, within the confines of this uh, rock and roll uh, hipster crowd from the early 1960s, so right, and, yeah. which is true, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, part of his uh, part of his his multi-part uh, um, you know history, uh, where he uh, you know he so, he sort of all these rock stars like well this guy's dad was like you know uh, you know a colonel in the air force and and right. uh, this guy's dad was you know was a major in the army and and but you know it's like we're talking uh 
West Coast, California. You know, this is the generation right after the World War II generation. So Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's not unbelievable that a lot of people on the West Coast, you know, who who are the, you know, of the World War II generation that their that their fathers were in the military and, you know, and if they're you know, well-educated and their parents can pay for music lessons and stuff like that, you know, they're not going to be, you know, run-of-the-mill grunts, right? That's true. He also mentions the fact that uh, a lot of these people were very bad musicians. Uh, <laughs> he, he talks about uh, the Doors, he talks about the Birds, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, that they were so horrible live that uh, it's fairly obvious that, that, that people were... Uh, were doing, uh, were playing, you know, unknown musicians were playing music in the studio for them. And uh, these people were, he, he never, you see, he also never mentions uh, anything straight out. He says that, uh, he goes, you know, you can think what you want, and it seems to me, and it seems strange that, um, you know, there were, there were times when people did, uh, where there were session musicians used, of course. Um, but he makes it out to seem like it's impossible that Jim Morrison, who knew nothing about music or how to write music, could hum these fantastical hit tunes to his fellow musicians and produce these, these you know, earth-shattering, you know, world-changing records. Right, right. These yeah. albums, one after another. It's not possible. Yeah. You it, know, it, which is, yeah. It's the classic sort of, you know, anomaly hunting kind of conspiracy. Right. Where, whereas what makes this one kind of a fun read is, is not only... Is uh, involves a lot of your yeah, interesting histories of your your so a lot of your favorite sort of you know sixties and seventies era rock stars, but just the right. way he ties all he just finds all these he's amazing yeah all these little coincidences like he even involves Phil Hartman you know Saturday Night Live absolutely yes because he was murdered uh, there was a murder suicide with his wife in the nineteen eighties and he wants to throw that into the basket of the Laurel Canyon murder list. He has a death list uh, that's vast. Yes. And, of course, there was a lot of, uh, there was, you know, uh, prostitution going on, drug addiction. Yes, people are going to die. It's Hollywood. It's, you know, I, I don't know if statistic statistically speaking, it's uh, there are more dead people there than anywhere else. Right, yes. But he does add Phil Hartman because Phil Hartman used to be a um, an artist and he, uh, he like did a, gra a, a, gra a graphic artist. Yes, he was a graphic artist. He did uh, Poco cover, album cover. He also... Uh, did the Crosby, Stills, and Nash logo, I think, that they still use today, if I'm oh, not wow. mistaken. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, uh, what, um, and what was it? Crosby. What's his name? John Crosby? Who, or is he a Canadian politician? <laughs> <laughs> David Crosby. Sorry, David Crosby. <laughs> John Crosby. David, David Crosby. And yeah. he got... He, has a, he dislikes David Crosby more than most. Okay. I could I could see in his writings. But does he ever bring up where David Crosby got that kidney or liver transplant? Oddly, it looked it seemed like he jumped the queue for for the. No, kidney. no, he didn't mention that. He also didn't mention that John Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas did the same thing. But he did mention that because of his, uh, you know, according to Dave McGowan, because because of David David Crosby's, you know, blue blood, um, so to speak. His sperm is 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 wanted, uh, you know. Oh. <laughs> is wanted by many, you know, by many different people. From what I could tell, it's only it was only Melissa Etheridge, and I was always wondering why in the world she would want, she would want his, you know, his genetic makeup doesn't seem particularly, you know, robust. Yeah, you know, I don't know. He has a lot of addictions. He's, 
you know, but maybe she thinks he's incredibly talented and she just wanted his genes. But yeah, but he does mention his uh, his, his sperm was uh, <laughs> was wanted far and wide. Wow, it's, it almost sounds like the um, uh, D- David Ike idea that you know these these sort of these privileged bloodlines, you know, Correct. are shape shifting space lizards kinds of kinds kinds of things. Um, now. Uh, I was gonna say now who what was it wasn't doesn't he sort of finger Frank Zappa as basically kind of the the the, the ringmaster of this? Well, Frank Zappa, uh, his father uh, Francis Zappa, was a chemical warfare specialist. Okay. And um, according to McGowan, while quoting some other author, he states that he was assigned to Edgewood Arsenal, and uh, where uh, America has its chemical warfare program, and there's also a facility there. That's cited as being um, uh, part of the MK Ultra operation. Okay. So that's where he drops his first, you know, mind control bomb right there. And um, the fact is that Zappa was a very rigid, very um, strict uh, musician. I mean, he wasn't uh, one of these easygoing, drugged out hippies. He didn't do drugs. Mm-hmm. And McGowan seems to feel that, uh, uh, that uh, Zappa didn't do drugs because he wanted to be in control of everything. Uh, he did support the war in, in Southeast Asia. Um, Zappa did. Uh, Zappa was a libertarian, to, to, you know, in his later years. Um, and uh, also, Zappa had a manager who was this supposed shady character named Herb Cohen, uh, who uh, spent a few years in the Marines, and then he traveled all over the world in Central America and did all sorts of, you know, unknown deeds until he, boom, dropped in uh, at Laurel Canyon. So, yeah, he, he feels that Zappa, because Zappa also lived in the log cabin, which is a house in Laurel Canyon, which was frequented by everyone at that time, including the Manson family. And, um, yeah, he was basically, he was older than everyone uh, to some extent, depending on who you're looking at. Okay. So, yeah. Does, 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 does this McGowan guy, does he stir the Manson family to this pot? Absolutely. The Manson family has a pretty uh, interesting uh, connection to the Laurel Canyon uh, conspiracy. They hung out a lot with Dennis Wilson from the uh, from the Beach Boys. They basically took over his house and uh, they wrecked his cars and uh, they gave him a couple of venereal diseases as well. <laughs> and uh, it came to the point where um, where he had to kick them out. I mean, they were taking over his entire life. But uh, strangely enough, interestingly enough, in 1967, uh, close to 1968, Manson was being listened to by a lot of people. And um, Neil Young said that uh, he is uh, an, an amazing musician who writes amazing music. And he urged um, he urged uh, um, a manager, a music manager, to, uh, to take Manson as a client because he, he thought that he was uh, very talented. And then he was connected to, um, to Terry Melcher. Uh, Terry Melcher, of course, being Doris Day's son, who uh, lived in the house at ten zero five zero Cielo Drive in Laurel Canyon, where Sharon Tate and her entourage were murdered. Um, and Terry Melcher did not want to work with Manson anymore. And then a year later, people were murdered in his old house. So wow. it's a very interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, intermingling of uh, of stories. Wow. Yeah. And uh, well, getting back to the MK Ultra, I guess for some of our listeners who are not familiar, do you know what the MK Ultra program is supposed to be? 
the MK Ultra program um, was a program that was run by the United States government uh, to use um, drugs and uh, hypnosis and other mind control techniques to try and see how far mind control can go. Some people were talking Manchurian candidates, you know, you, you call someone uh, with a few words on the phone and they'll go and assassinate someone for you or what right. have Like people say that uh, the the guy who, who murdered John Lennon was an MKUltra uh, victim and so was Sirhan Sirhan, the person who uh, murdered Bobby Kennedy. And um, so th there is, I mean, the United States government did admit that they, um, that, that they did... Uh, try um, using acid uh, LSD there were there were um, agents who did um, commit suicide that died in very strange ways and um, you know some people say these these mind control um, projects are still going on and uh, because they are successful mixing um, brain uh, uh, brainwashing with um, with with drugs right right and of course drugs play a big part in this uh, Laurel Canyon conspiracy, acid, LSD. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you know? Do you know the Montreal connection to uh, MK Ultra? Uh, yes, yes. Um, Dr. Cameron, who used to work at McGill University Hospital, from what I understand, was considered uh, uh, an, um, uh, a U.S. government um, associate, or he was right. paid by the U.S. government to um, do experiments on mentally ill people in this uh, hospital in Montreal. Right, right. And he happens to be James Cameron's father, by the way. Oh, really? And yes, he is the father of James Cameron, the director. Yes. Ah, and we get and, Avatar. Yeah. So correct. <laughs> you know, wow. Well, it's oh, it's we're very through. Yeah. And people did sue. Yeah, they did yeah. sue the uh, the government, and they did win. Wow. Uh, people who were uh, exposed to his experiments. Yeah. And to put us even a bit more through the looking glass, the, I, I believe his his associate, you don't really hear too much, his uh, his daughter uh, married Brian Mulrooney. So Mila Mulrooney is the, the daughter of uh, one of the associates that... Uh, yes, I did hear something about that maybe a year ago. That's yeah. true, yes. Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the... Lo uh, lovely little connection, yes. I yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, it's like the whole, you know, bacon, making bacon, you know, your bacon number. Uh, <laughs> if you're in the entertainment industry, in some level, yes. you can probably, you know, connect yourself to somebody else somehow. Right, right. Yeah. Your, your degrees of separation, especially in yeah. places like Hollywood and especially uh, trying out uh, like LSD, for example, these new drugs. They weren't that new. I mean, they started experimenting with them in the 50s, but... Um, yeah, I, I mean, eventually we all we all are connected <laughs> if we look deep enough. Wow. So. Well, even the uh, uh, you know the Phil Hartman thing, he connects them to Squeaky From because like they went to the same high school together or Correct. something. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But, he also connects um, um, uh, Gail Slotman, Gail Zappa, um, Frank Zappa's wife. Uh, of course, she's also from a career naval family. But uh, she attended the same naval kindergarten as Jim Morrison, hence, of course, the connection is is completely valid. Wow, they're starting them off young. You know, I yes. went I went yeah. to I went to high school at the same time as uh, I was in the same high school at the same time as Mark Lapine, the Montreal Massacre guy. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So I mean, you know, I mean that could all come back at me sometime, right? <laughs> if somebody That's true. Dug through yearbooks or something. <laughs> 
Well, I went to uh, high school in Montreal to, I was in seventh grade one year after uh, Dove Charney from American Apparel in the same high school. I was uh, 13, he was 12, so I'm still trying to get, uh, you know, some cheap lame uh, stretch pants, but it's not working out for the connection, simply is not, it's not gelling for me. Well, it's just, you're just not making it public, I think. I guess that's it. I wow. I'll try to find them on Facebook. Yeah. Right. And um, now, if you do kind of like a Google Google Street View of Laurel Canyon, uh, like it's yes. it, yeah, it's pretty nice digs. Like it looks like it's pretty, beautiful. Yeah. There, it's beautiful. There's not. I mean, it's honestly, it's right off. Uh, uh, it's right off uh, Sunset Boulevard. Um, it's it's protected, like near Topanga State Park. It's really a beautiful place. They found a stunning place to hang out just down the street from from downtown Hollywood. Which supposedly, you know, was was completely dead in 1962, 63. All of a sudden, all these clubs started springing up. According to McGowan, it was just, you know, it seemed planned. Yes. yes. All of a sudden, all these cool young hip people who were very talented arrived, and at the same time, all these shady characters, these ex bad cops, all these people started opening places like Whiskey a Go Go and the Roxy, and uh, yeah, and right. so it, it it's. It's all planned. He, he, yeah, he makes a note that kind of at the, you know at that time that like the locus of the music industry was like Motown, uh, Nashville, you know. Um, right, uh, New York even. Yeah, and right. so again, he sort of finds it. Isn't it kind of like? Isn't it odd? Never, never really sort of you know putting his nickel down, but always like, isn't it sort of right. strange? All these people just suddenly moved out there and it submerged. Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, again, it's like. Um, you know, consider the times like you've got a very wealthy uh, state, you know, uh, kids who, you know, have a lot of time, a lot of money, you know, they might not, they don't really like what their parents are doing, how they're earning their money. Because like it was like in the 50s, like if you were working for like the military industrial complex in the 50s, you were, you were like the savior of America. You were like on the front lines of America, you know, and, and right. by the time the 60s happened, now these people weren't cool you know so these kids become more dis you know they they're 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 not they're a bit, maybe a bit ashamed of their fathers and you right know, so it's no no doubt something kind of emerges from that well this was a huge shift it was probably the biggest shift we've ever had in the last hundred years uh, maybe the 20s were also a very a massive shift in the way uh, people acted and what they wanted to do with their lives but between the 50s and the 60s i could look at pictures of my parents and 1960 compared to 1967, just the pictures were, were, you know, it was a different planet. When my dad was wearing a suit in 1960, yeah. and in 1967 he had hair down his back and he was wearing flares. And so, yeah, this was a huge jump. And what, what's interesting about this is that uh, McGowan states that uh, a lot of these people, yes, were children of um, military, and, um, but they never really did anything anti-war. Which in many ways is true. They were rock stars. They weren't, uh, you know, they didn't all uh, sing about uh, peace and love and they wanted to make money. They wanted to uh, be entertainers. Uh, it, it's like he states that, uh, you know, it was people like Abby Hoffman or Norm Chomsky who were these intellectuals uh, fighting this, uh, this, you know, fighting the good fight against the Vietnam War. And, you know, Abby Hoffman wakes up one day and he says, you know, according to, uh, to McGowan, you know, he says, Abby Hoffman, saw all these activists and all these Berkeley radicals and these white panthers uh, trying to, to, to change things. And uh, then they get flooded with these flower children who are all into drugs and sex. And who are these people and what do they want? 
Right. They're right. just ruining everything. So that was interesting as well. And which, which I mean, statistically, it's true. I mean, they were more into the lifestyle. They didn't really fight that good fight for, uh, for, uh, for peace in Vietnam. And it was all very superficial. Right, but yeah. that's Hollywood. Hollywood is superficial. I mean, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's like any kind of trend, right? Like the, uh, you know, the, you know, the sort of the, the, the there's always sort of the, the, the first movers who, yeah, I mean, they're really true to sort of their vision and cause, and and then it just kind of becomes cool, and and then it just sort right. of becomes the, the the regular culture, right? Yeah, like the song, the Mamas and the Papas song, San Francisco. Um, Be sure to wear flowers in your hair. McGowan uh, insists that it's basically a call. To have all these runaways and all these kids come land on Haight Ashbury, and yes, Haight Ashbury turned into a cesspool. Basically, uh, you know, in 19, by 1969, the place was infested with young people. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of people were sick. There were a lot of free clinics. There was a lot of homelessness, and in reality, the whole movement lasted maybe three years. Wow! It wasn't this, you know. In our mind, we see it as a whole generational movement, when in fact, it, it was a very short-lived movement. The, the true flower children hippie movement was very short-lived uh, yeah. in that part of the world, in San Francisco. So as, he saw it like, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, just as, as a boy growing up, you know, in, in the early 70s, I, I, I literally did not want to become a teenager because I thought I would have to become a hippie. And <laughs> the, the idea of like, I, I got to hang out in parks at night and drink beer from stubbies and smoke cigarettes <laughs> like that that's my future oh, but then we become punks in the end carl <laughs> uh, <laughs> punks and new waivers <laughs> yeah i know so was, you know i had my billy idol glove and i'm like wow man i didn't have to become a hippie i was so happy <laughs> yeah definitely definitely uh, and and, and, all, and apparently even like ricky nelson right ricky nelson what like yes. the hit was put on him yes he also came from uh from a famous Hollywood family, also his sons were involved. This is a multi-generational thing as well, because um, McGowan talks about uh, the old Rat Pack, you know, from the mm -hmm. from the 30s and 40s, the John Barrymores and all these people who were, you know, uh, who were very, very, uh, you know, were living a very underground life, like with L. Ron Hubbard and Heinlein, and they were all connected, and they were like OTO, uh, you know, Church of Satan, and all this stuff. And they were, you know, it it gets pretty uh, pretty deep. He involves in the '60s uh, in the Laurel Canyon conspiracy. He involves Jack Nicholson and Warren Beatty, Bruce Dern. So he he it's it's for him it's a multi generational thing. It seems like it's the space, it's the place that makes the people this way. Right. It's uh, you know. So then, what is he saying? So the old. The old school, you know, crazies were what also working for the government and also there to to spread debauchery in the 1930s and 40s. You know, um, yeah. he doesn't really connect them, but he does mention them. Right. He mentions them more than once. So, I like yeah. it. In, in, it's in his little Ricky Nelson section where you know, again, this is again perfect kind of you know conspiracy anomaly hunting because you know Ricky Nelson died in a plane crash he, he he had a very old DC-3 plane and, and and I think people think they they're sort of freebasing and a fire started but he notes right. he notes that the both pilots survived and uh, so <laughs> he, 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 su he suggests that maybe they parachuted you know they parachuted right. out or something yeah it's right because like, right. pilots never survive airplane crashes so it's like no, oh, they don't. yeah Odd they survived, you know. So. Yeah, and, and, and what, you know, what did he have to do with, with anything anyway? He was, you know, uh, he wasn't 
famous for many years. He was a child star for the most part. And um, yeah, it, it's nice that this, you know, he has this death list from like, I don't know, 1965 to 1980, 15 years or 1965 to 1975. I can't even remember. And uh, yes, it's pretty full, but uh, there were a lot of, you know, drug deals gone bad, suicides, ODs, you know, people die. Exactly. <laughs> this isn't Minnesota. This is Hollywood, <laughs> California, you know. Right, right yes. So, yeah. Uh, what about um, uh, Jimi Hendrix? Is, is, he, is he ever mentioned? Yeah, Jimi Hendrix is mentioned that he came around Laurel Canyon. Uh, he opened actually for the Monkees. The monkeys took him on, yes, to open for them, um, with Davy Jones and all, and uh, it didn't work out. Surprise, surprise. It didn't work out because the audience simply wasn't ready for Hendrix, and then, of course, Hendrix left L.A. and became a huge star via London. Right, okay. So, yeah, he was there, Mama Cass's house, uh, at the log cabin at Zappa's place, definitely did the rounds. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. but not long. He was there just for a few months in Royal Canyon. And and you know who Hendrix's disciple was? His disciple, yeah, as a musician. Uh, well, it, yeah. Now you're asking for specifics. No, the uh, <laughs> the, guy, the guy the guy who co-founded Microsoft. He uh, he's huge, huge uh, Jimi Hendrix fan, and he opened. Up, okay. Yeah, so he started like. Well, he wanted to open up like a Jimi Hendrix museum in Seattle, but he right, couldn't, he couldn't quite get the rights, so he just sort of made it into like the experience music project kind of thing. Uh, uh -huh. So, and what controls the world? Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah. Well, there you well, go. Yeah, maybe less so today. I don't know. We 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 got to get a Steve Jobs connection. I think maybe to. This. You know what? If we look hard enough, seeing as they are from the valley or from that area, uh, we can probably find a connection easily. Nineteen seventy-two, seventy-three, when when things started going downhill for Laura Canyon and people started getting washed up and. Uh, all these murders were happening, and all these, you know, the Wonderland murders he throws in there, and... Uh, oh, yeah. What, what, what was the deal with the Wonderland murders? The Wonderland murders were, if you saw the film Wonderland with Val Kilmer, it's about John Holmes, the porno actor. The, okay. He was a huge actor, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> um, in, uh, in the 1970s, and he got involved with uh, this club owner who was also a drug dealer, and he, uh, John Holmes was, uh, he wanted to make money. He, he had, he was involved in, in, in knowing that people were robbing this, this club owner in his home. And in the end, the club owner took uh, John Holmes and forced him to, supposedly, this is what happened, forced him to participate in a murder uh, on Wonderland uh, Drive, Wonderland Boulevard, which is right off Laurel Canyon. Um, and they murdered uh, four or five people in this apartment. Uh, drug dealers and uh, heroin addicts, and it was a horrible story. And um, he he just adds that to the death list, you know, because they happen to be in Laurel Canyon, uh, in the area, you know. Right. But it it was uh, pretty pretty horrific. They were killed with baseball bats. It was bad news. Yeah. Wow. Now, now this guy, he's been he he started writing his series uh, in two thousand and eight, and I think his That's last right. yeah his his last part came out in May two thousand and. Ten, right. Uh, looks like he took a he took about a looks like he took about a year break between part um, sixteen and part seventeen. Yeah, he took a big break, and we you know I was waiting with bated breath. <laughs> <laughs> I was following this story for a couple of years already, and I'm like, wow, this is what's happening. You know, he started a new series on the moon landings. 
Uh, so he yes. kind of lost his way, yeah. Uh, okay. But, oh, uh, I see. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he came back, and uh, he promises to continue. This this guy, uh, he was um, he was a um, a uh, what's it called? He was an advisor on the film National Treasure with Nicolas Cage because it's all full of conspiracies. So they used him. Um, I think he even had a little bit part in that film. I'm not quite sure. Really? But okay. he is. Uh, I mean, his his. His facts, he looks up facts like I've never seen. He's just really, really thorough. Right, yes. So even if it's wacky, it's still fantastic, a fantastic read. Uh, you know? His Apollo conspiracy section, I'm, I'm going to post a link to his website on, on my site, but his Apollo conspiracy section, while, while heartbreaking, it's, he actually has a lot of really great photographs of the sort of the, the missions and behind-the-scenes yeah. photographs and stuff like that. It's just kind of fun to look at his photographs. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and also, the Laurel Canyon photographs are unbelievable. He goes there. He goes to the houses. He takes pictures of all the houses, uh, how they look now. He, he brings in old photos. Um, it's pretty amazing. You yeah. know, he, he's very thorough. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 a lot of reading. Like, cause he's got like you know, seventeen parts, and yeah. and and, yeah. and if you just sort of kind of skim it, you kind of look and you go, oh, what what is this? But right. if if you, uh, you you got you print it out, you know, uh, grab a coffee at Starbucks and just sit down and start reading it, and it's just yeah. it just it's yeah, it's like this guy is whacked, but it's 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 kind of fascinating, you know. Yeah, it's 170 pages so far, and I've read it more than once. And wow. I, I can tell you, I'm sitting here with my laptop in front of me, and I have all these notes highlighted and everything because there's so much information that it's very difficult for me to remember everything. I mean, if, if you start talking about something, I'll try to skim and look for the bold type where it says Zappa or where it says, you know, where I've, where I've marked things off because it's so, uh, there's so much information, right, yeah. you know. But it's great. It, it's, it's a great read. I would suggest uh, everyone take a look at this. It's very interesting. He also has a sort of section on like like nine eleven, which uh, yes, yeah, yep. mm -hmm. well, let's, we all let's not even get into that. But we all know. Yeah, he book. also writes books. He he has some real you know real real paper books. Uh, he writes about how basically uh, you, you know uh, 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 these serial killers are rogue MK Ultra victims and. You know, he's very into the whole, into the whole, you know, satanic ritual abuse, uh, uh, serial killer thing. And yeah, he's still on that satanic ritual abuse train okay. that, that drove into the station many, many moons ago. So, so he's, he's, he's kind of like America's own David Icke, but without like any, he doesn't delve in like UFOs and space lizards and stuff like that, though, does no. he? No, okay. No. All right. So, the, and I think the, he's more intelligent than bits. He's, he's. I think he's more of an intellectual than Ike. Ike is just really a fear monger in many ways. He's uh, this guy. The way he writes, it's it's just a lot more. In his opinion, I mean, of course, it's fact based. It's more about facts. Right. Yeah. You know, and make up your own mind. So. Right, yeah. Yeah. And I, he also kind of he uh, not on this page, but on on the oh uh, the uh, the authoritative whale to site, which is sort of this uh, site that all kinds of alt med sort of stuff he, he's got a big section right. he, he does a lot of stuff about mind control and stuff like that so right yeah <laughs> that's definitely one of his favorites uh that's that's the whole tie-in for the uh, laurel canyon conspiracy it's that either these people were voluntarily doing this to help uh you know crush the revolt against the american government by the youth <laughs> or they were children of the military uh, children of people in the military who were used as pawns 
uh, and and you know MKR mind control victims to uh, try and uh, and and stop have have kids do a lot of acid and have them forget about revolution basically. Yeah, so. cool. Well, all right. Well, uh, any, anything you want to add about um, uh, the, the Laurel Canyon conspiracy? Which, um, which he doesn't even call Laurel Canyon conspiracy. He just sort of calls it the rise of the hippie generation. Yeah, he calls it inside the LC the strange but mostly true story, which in it, in itself is uh, is an interesting uh, you know, subtext. But he doesn't call it a conspiracy. He I don't think he ever uses the word conspiracy at all. Okay. You know. Okay. But uh, there was an interesting uh, uh, an interesting note in here about um, about uh, an, an area. Um, let me see where it is. It's an area that they say supposedly from 1933 to 1945, there were like 40 rogue, uh, 40 Nazis lived up in the woods. They built this huge um, compound, uh, which is still there. And uh, this is also very interesting. It's been, this was in an LA Weekly, um, an LA Weekly uh, uh, write-up. And he mentions the, the write-up in his uh in his, um, in his, uh, sorry, he he mentions it in the uh, in the write up on the LC, so uh, on LC. So uh, yeah, it's it's bizarre. He says that uh, this space was bought in 1933. That there were guys patrolling. They used to call them silver shirts, like the German brown shirts, and uh, people knew that there were these Nazis up there. And he didn't actually come up with the story, but he he's it's eight miles away as well. It's not in Laurel Canyon. It's it's in another space, also bordering onto Ponga Park National Park. So yeah. Wow. Okay. A little All right. bizarre. All right. And uh, let's see. Uh, I guess we should maybe finish up the Korean question. So you're a chef. You're 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 42. Uh, are, yes. are 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 you married? Do you have children? No, I'm single and I have no kids. Okay. And you're cool. You know what? That hearing that from you, Carl. After seeing that white sweater that you bought, that button-down white sweater. And I saw that picture of, if you're calling me cool, then I am not worthy, is all I have to say. But thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'll I, have to send you a nice picture, a nice cool picture to put up on your website for, for when this goes up. So. That would be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm privileged to your sort of your Facebook stuff. So it's like. Yes, you are. Yeah, I'm you like, can see everything. Yeah, I'm like, wow, what? Where in the world are you not? It's quite it's 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 an impressive uh, collection of pictures on your Facebook. Yes, a lot of traveling, a lot of traveling involved. Wow, yeah, so. and also in the last few weeks, I've been to a few uh, uh, symposiums, and uh, you know, a couple, I went to Tam as well. I was at Tam London. T- Tam London, right? Yes. Yes. So I did. I did a little bit of running around in the last few weeks. Yeah. You you met you met my one of my personal heroes, Michael Michael Marsh of uh, Righteous Nation. Yes. Yes. Yes, I met him, and I told him that you said hello, and I told him that you wanted a hug, uh, to give him a hug, but I just can't do that. Oh, okay. And I, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I don't know the guy, and I felt a little awkward. And uh, he was just asking about the man crush, so I said, I, I really, I can't, I don't know. I told him to contact you about that. And... I, I, just, I just like the way he dresses. I think it's sort of a, but he's 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 a very slender guy, at least from his picture, so... You know, yes, I, he's slender. He's he's very cute. He's tall. He's uh, also very polite. He's a very nice guy. Oh, uh, okay, so. cool. All right, and uh, let's see. Um, sorry, and you're you're a chef, so uh, this is yes, this, I am. You're probably the most authoritative person to answer this question. So, what is your favorite small kitchen appliance? 
That's a tough question because I have to know if you're asking this professionally or personally. Oh, professionally. I want to get the professional. Professionally, the by far my favorite kitchen appliance is that uh, small little hand blender. In the oh. kitchen, we call them a Rambo. Those little hand blenders that you use to puree sauces and crush things in, in containers. and mm. You know, it, it's like a, a wand with a blade at the bottom, mm-hmm. a rotating mm-hmm. blade, yeah. Yeah, I've they got one. can't live without them. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. It, 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 you actually have a different personal opinion, though? Yes. Um, personally, I think the French press. The coffee, uh, the French press coffee decanter oh. is certainly my favorite. It, you know, it's an appliance with no electricity. I don't know if that counts. No, no, that's it fine. Yeah. Be electric. Okay, so it would be the French press for sure. For okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. And, uh, oh, you know, I, I want to put a plug I want to put a plug in for my guests which includes you because I um I'm like I notice all these other podcasts they, they always ask for donations or you know go to iTunes and um do a review and I don't ever ask for anything and I, <laughs> and I don't I don't want your I don't want anything I don't want money or stuff like that but I thought you know what my guests if you ever meet one of my guests whether it's you or um you know uh Rich Orman from uh, Dogma Free America or yeah. uh, Stuart Robbins or whatever. If you ever see one of my guests, buy, buy him a beer. On, Absolutely. On, yeah, on Conspiracy Skeptic, just so to go, you know, I heard you on Conspiracy Skeptic. Uh, you make the show. Let me buy you a beer. So please, don't give me anything. Don't buy me anything. Don't, don't even go to iTunes and write a review. Uh, but please, just buy, buy my guests a beer if you see them. And you That's enjoy amazing. Them. That's very kind. And I would, I would suggest everyone go to iTunes and give you a review. I think it's very important that we help support these uh, wonderful, wonderful podcasts. And I have to say, your podcast is in my top three, and um, I've always enjoyed it very much. Your humor is very unique, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, thank thank you, Mira. Definitely. All right. Uh, Let's see. I don't know if there's anything you want to plug or... Not really. Not really. Um, You know, if... if, uh, I don't know if you... Depending on the picture I'm going to send you... I have uh, I have these Japanese tattoos from my elbow to my uh, shoulders. Uh, if anybody sees me uh, in public uh, anywhere uh, at some maybe skeptics uh, 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 meet up or something, don't be scared. Uh, I will take that beer. Um, <laughs> just come on over. And, <laughs> and if I recognize you and you are on uh, Carmen Rochelle, then I will buy you a beer. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very noticeable tattoos. And, and uh, you know... Uh, no, no. When I was younger, like when I worked in retail, my 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 sort of rule of thumb was never argue with a woman with a tattoo who's a customer. <laughs> the customers are not always right, but a woman with a tattoo is always right. So just don't argue with her. So. I but, understand where you're coming right, from. Right. You, but yeah. you're, not, you're nice and approachable. You're not. Very approachable. This, this is like for me, you know, I was in Japan for a year with work, and this for me was, was just art that I had, to, I had to do in that place. It was, uh, you know, oh. if I wasn't there, I would, never, I, would never have done, I would never have done it. So. Great. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> Definitely th- approachable. Oh, okay. Thanks a lot, then, Amira. It was, it, was it was a good show, and, and nice, nice to finally get you on the show. Definitely. I had a great time. Thanks so much, Carl. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye bye. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drum.
drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, uh-huh. History has turned a page, uh-huh. The miniskirts, the current thing, uh-huh. goes on the beat goes on the drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain la da 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 dee la da 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 da